You are listening to the official podcast of Oceans Church, a place to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference with Pastor Mark Francie. So today, Psalms chapter 103, if you're ready to go, say, I'm ready. We're going to throw it up on the screens for you. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, his benefits. Remember all of his benefits. Benefits. Who number one, what's he do? He he forgives all of your iniquities. We talked about this last week. Who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I want to pray this morning if that's all right, and I'm gonna talk for a few minutes. You guys ready to go? All right, God, I just thank you for the best church in all the world, best people on earth. Thank you that you love Orange County, that you're not here, Lord, to condemn us, but you're here to love us. And I just pray today, Lord, whether someone in the room thinks you're upset at them, think that they've, they're outside of the love or the reach of your mercy, I pray that the next 25 or so minutes, you would encounter people where they are. I pray that you would lead us into where you are. And I pray we'd all leave this place maybe resembling a little bit more of who Jesus Christ is. We invite you to have your way, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And someone said a good old-fashioned. Someone said a good old-fashioned. Have you ever heard a word and it instantly triggered a thought or a memory in your mind? Just one word. One word. And uh, I don't know about you, I, I've, I've heard a lot, of, uh, a lot of things that have triggered memories, but about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, one of my friends said, I am going to take a Greyhound bus. And immediately, I heard Greyhound bus and I saw the flames of fire. I heard weeping, gnashing of teeth. Because when I was uh, 14 years old, my, uh, my mom sent me to Northern California, from Southern California, on a Greyhound bus. Now, I lived in the part of California that if you can't afford to live in the ghetto in L.A., the government pays for you to move to the Antelope Valley and live where I lived in the Antelope Valley. And so I lived in a rough neighborhood, and uh, I'll never forget growing up, like, we were poor. Like, our welcome mat just said, well, <laughs> we couldn't afford the rest. And... Uh, like, you ring the doorbell at our house, the toilet flush. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we didn't have a lot. So uh, we, my mom, she's like, look, if you want to go see your aunt and uncle, we, we can't afford a plane ticket to San Francisco. You're taking the bus. I'm like, all right, that's fine. I'm 14, 15. I got this. I'm a grown man. Probably said it more like this. I'm a grown man. So my mom brought me to the bus stop. And I don't know why, but they seem to strategically put Greyhound bus stations in the roughest parts of everywhere. So I get on the bus, and I'm, like, looking around, like, man, I, this looks dangerous. Had a backpack on, and uh, to make matters worse, I was sick as a dog. I had already bought my ticket, though, so I couldn't change it, couldn't negotiate it. We, we couldn't afford change fees. Come on. And so I'm, like, we're going hell or high water. I'm getting on this bus, and so I'm literally coughing profusely. You ever had a cough, like, really bad smoker cough? Come on, just, <sighs> And the only thing that was helping me was Theraflu. Who's ever taken the Theraflu? You like, you rip it open, you put it in the thing. It was like, it was helping me out. And so, uh, but Theraflu puts their, uh, well, well, that's the later part of the story. And so I get on the bus, I took Theraflu, so I'm heavily medicated. I sit down, I'm so sick, I can barely stay awake. It's about an hour bus ride from where I was at to Los Angeles, and on the bus ride, I fall asleep. The bus is full of suspicious characters. And I'll never forget waking up. My backpack was in this seat, I was in this seat. There was two seats, you know, everywhere. And uh, that made a lot of sense. <laughs> 
two seats everywhere. Uh, <laughs> it's a bus full of two seats. Uh, so the seat next to me, I put my backpack. I woke up kind of half conscious, looked over, and there was a gentleman reaching over my seat with his arms enveloped in my backpack. And I was like, oh my gosh, you could beat me up. So I got to do this nicely. I was like, oh, I'll take that. Thank you. <laughs> Wasn't a Christian yet, but I started praying. They dropped me off in Watts, uh, Watts, California. And uh, the, luckily the bus stop, uh, the Greyhound bus stop was actually closing 15 minutes after we arrived. And my bus, next bus, didn't arrive for two hours. So I got to hang out in the middle of the hood in Watts. And uh, literally, like, I was hiding, true story, hiding in bushes. Because uh, there was gangs walking by. I'm like, I'm going to get shot. So I'm hiding in the bushes in my little Burton backpack. <laughs> and uh, got on the second bus, sick as a dog. Medication starts to wear. We get to Fresno, Fresno to San Francisco. Get to San Francisco. And actually, from Fresno, I took medication. It's the middle of the night now. It's uh, literally the middle of the night. And I'll never forget, fell asleep next to a, a gal. Uh, 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 a, a gal. Uh, <laughs> pastor, got to say this nice. But, you know, she was kind of sitting in my seat and her seat. You know what I'm saying? And I woke up. And I'm a, little, I'm a spooner. I'm a cuddler. And so... Uh, I fell asleep, this is a true story, and I woke up on, my arm was, she was sleeping though too, it was okay. I wasn't married yet, don't judge me. And I woke up, and my arm was around this gal, and I was sleeping on her bosom, like Lazarus on, La- on Abraham. I was just there, and this true story, I woke up, and there was about 16 ounces of saliva that came out of my mouth, onto her outfit. And the crazy part of the story was, is we woke up at the same exact moment. And I'll never forget waking up, just like doing the, where am I at? What's going on? What am I holding on to? It's so warm. She's so warm. It's so warm right now. And uh, I woke up, and I'll just never forget. We made eye contact, and then I just kind of hopped over. And uh, the rest of the story was equally bad. I don't have time to get into it. But when I hear Greyhound, I warn my friend, I said, bro, if you love God and you want to see good days, do not go on Greyhound buses. And he actually went, he had a great experience. But it's funny how one memory can be triggered that brings you back to an emotional state or condition that can affect your whole demeanor and your whole attitude on life. And I love Psalms 103 because David is uh, older in life. Scholars tell us he's probably last 15 years of his life, he writes this, 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 this work. And in Psalms 103, he goes, look, I've been through some great days, some lonely days, dysfunctional days, really, really good days. But he tells us two great things. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Is the first thing we reveal about Psalms chapter 103 is that, that he reveals to us is that we have two choices as human beings. You have two choices today in this room as a human being. You get to determine what you choose to bless. We choose what we bless, and the second thing that we get to choose is how much of ourself we bless that thing with. So we choose what we bless, and we choose how much of what we are and who we are that we actually honor and bless it with. Some people bless the NFL. They don't even come to church. I have friends that are like, look, I go to Hoshan's church. I'm just not coming until the season's over. They bless football. They, they love football, and they bless it with every part of their life because they don't believe in DVR. Come on. And so there's, there's, there's two choices we fundamentally have is we determine what we ascribe value to 
and we determine what level and what degree of ourselves that we ascribe that value to. And David says, bless the Lord. What's he say? Bless the, not the NFL, come on, not Hollywood. He says, bless the, and he says this, bless the Lord, oh my. And then he goes on to say how much, all that is within me, bless his holy name. And last week, if you missed it, the thesis basically was that remembering is really the precursor of worship. That if you want to be passionate about God, you have to remember what he's already done. And many people, they're like, I don't know if I have a reason. Like, how do you encounter God? I believe this. We encounter God when we bless him. And we bless him when we remember him. So you could say this way, that, that worship helps us remember. When you get an atmosphere, you start honoring, or maybe you're in your car and you're, you're talking to God. There's something about thanking him. Just saying, God, thank you for that job when I was 19. Thank you for my wife when I was 21. And thank you, Lord, for my kids when I was 25 and when I was 30 years old. Thank you. There's something about thanksgiving, honor, and worship. When you bless it, that has the power for you to begin to encounter God. And he says this. This is why I'm excited, David writes, as an old man, about honoring and blessing, honoring God, is because, number one, I realized looking back in my life, that he's been a God that's forgiven all of my iniquities. Why would you be excited today? This, by the way, these five pillars are going to be cultural values of Ocean's Church. We believe, like David, that God is the God that can forgive all of your iniquities. Last week, we talked about the difference between transgressions and iniquities. Iniquities are your internal thoughts. Transgressions are your external actions. David doesn't say God just forgives you for what you did. He says God will forgive you for what you thought about doing. That's how big he is. And when you remember that he is the God that forgives all of your, he, your iniquities, he's also, he goes, number two, this, these were points from last week, he's the God that in my life, he's healed all of my diseases. So David, at the end of his life, like, he was there when I hooked up with Bathsheba because I saw her taking a bath. You ever think about that? <laughs> Bathsheba, bath, okay, we'll keep going. Um, you were, you were there, you were forgiving when I took the law into my own hands and I had her husband basically assassinated. You were there when I did bad things, when I did dishonorable things. You forgave me of all of those low, low moments in my life. That's why I bless you. And not only were you there for that, you were there when I got diseases and sickness, when I was traveling and marching around the known world, taking land for our kingdom, and I got sick, and I got viruses and colds, and back in those days, you didn't have medication, and you didn't have, uh, you didn't have antibiotics, and you didn't have penicillin. God, he said, God, you healed all of my sicknesses. I'm still alive. I'm not dying a young man with a disease. I'm dying an old man of old age. You've healed all my diseases. So I'm grateful. Not only that, I realized looking back in my life that you have redeemed me from all of these destructions. My pastor threw multiple spears at me. My spiritual leader, my king, tried to get me assassinated multiple times. Chased me with the most powerful army on the earth for multiple years. And uh, through all of the low moments of my life, God, you redeemed the lowest moments of my life. And I got good news. This is what we believe at Ocean's Church is that God can heal, God can forgive, and guess what? God is big enough to redeem. Some of you are like, Mark, I've wasted the first part of my life. It's okay. You got the next part still. And what I've learned is as long as you're sucking oxygen, there's still hope. And some people are like mad at God because what he took from you. Listen to me. If God needed what he took from you to bless you, he never would have removed it from your life. 
So the evidence that you have what you have, where you are, this is what I've learned. The miracle's always in what you have left. A lot of times we think the miracle that God's going to do is, is what maybe he's going to give me something that I, I, I've been asking for or that I need. Maybe he can do that. But I actually believe that if you're sitting in the seat today, you have everything that you need from God to get to the next place he wants you to go. Miracles always in what you have left. He says God will redeem. He'll redeem all of your, your destructive moments of your life. And then this is where we pick up today is number four is he says he'll crown you. Now, the, the word in the original language for crown literally means to surround. God will surround you with tender mercies and with loving kindness. The word loving kindness is the word compassion. And I love that David goes on later in Psalms 103 and he says, As a father pities his children, so God pities, he pities all of us. And I always tell people this because they think when you make a mistake, you do something wrong, you say something wrong, you act on something wrong, that you need to run away from God. It's so funny to me how how we're so good at this as human beings. We think that if, okay, if I, if, I, if I stole that or if I cheated on that or if I, if I, if I lied about this or if I, did, you know, I, I created this, this malicious, wicked scheme that God is so angry at me that I gotta just avoid him. I'm like a, I'm like a uh, most wanted criminal. I gotta just stay on the run from God the rest of my life. And I wanna just say this today. You can run from God. You just can't outrun God. You can run, you just can't outrun. Job tried to run away, went as far as he could go, and it says this, that God got a hold of him, and it says the same thing he said in the beginning, he said it again. It says the word of the Lord came to Job a second time. And God said later in his life what he said at the beginning of his life, and here's what we know about God is he will actually accomplish his purpose in your life if you'll give him the opportunity to do so. He says, I'll crown you with loving kindness, tender mercies. And uh, I think David, what he's trying to get a hold of all of us here, is that we, we serve a God that's big enough and large enough to redeem even the lowest points of our life. Some of you are here today and you think, Mark, I've just screwed up too many times. I want you to know my, my uh, oldest daughter, Kenzie, that we potty trained her when she was two and some change. Chloe, we're going to wait until she ages out. And uh, 16, 17, she'll learn. And... Uh, but uh, Kenzie, I'll never forget this. She was learning. She was getting potty trained. And uh, when she was a little girl, I'll never forget, we had a, a house. Our bedroom was on one side. It was one story. Her bedroom was on the far side. And when she was getting potty trained, many nights, we would hear, because we had wood, flo- wood floors, we'd hear from one side of the house to the other side of the house, maybe two, three, four o'clock in the morning. And we knew it was our little daughter, Kenzie. And she was running in the middle of the night to our side of the house and she was going to tell us two things. She was going to say, Daddy, pee-pee. Daddy, pee-pee. Can I sleep with you? Can I sleep with you? That's what she said. Pee-pee, can I sleep with you? So she would hop. Uh, we would clean her up. We would take off her clothes. Uh, we'd, we'd change her diaper, her little pull-up. Our, uh, we'd just change her outfit. And then one of us would go in the room, and we'd start cleaning up the mess that she made. What I've learned about this with, with our anatomy, with our kids, with our bio, the, the way that God has made us in our biology, is that little kids are never scared to run to their parents for help until the parents teach them to be scared of them. Our human proclivity as kids is that when I am in a dire situation, mom and dad are my help, not my hurt. And many people in, in the world, they think that when they're living wrong or they're doing something wild or crazy, they think that you have to run away from God. I never once had my daughter say, Daddy, I got to stay away from you because I was dirty. 
And I believe that some of you think that you have to run away from God because of the condition of your life. I want you to know that when you're dirty and you have a, you have a stinky diaper, you want to go to the people that can change that thing. And I love Jesus because he's the only one that has the power to change the smelly parts of our life. Come on, if you're going to give me a clap, give him a good hand clap this morning. It says that he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. And it goes on, it says, not only does he do that, but he's the God that has the ability to actually satisfy. It says he satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Eagles will live 70 years in captivity. One of the oldest birds. They live 30 years in the wild. And one of the amazing things about eagles is every 30 days, they will actually shed feathers and grow new feathers. They call it molting, right? And so they, they, they have the ability to regenerate their look. So eagles look young even when they're old because of their ability to regenerate, regenerate, regenerate. And I love that David, David's like, look, let me tell you who God is. He's a God that will satisfy you in parts and places of your life that are so fulfilling that it'll actually, even as you get older, it'll continue to regenerate yourself. It'll regenerate your attitude. I'll t- I told the Lord years ago, I'm like, God, three things I don't want to be as I get older. I don't want to become old and stingy. I don't want to be an old pervert. Come on. And I don't want to be old and angry. You ever met an old person like that? Angry, just a little weird, or, or stingy. I believe that part of aging well is remembering the right things. It's remembering the right things. How do you age with dignity and with wisdom and with grace? David says that we remember that he fills our mouth. He satisfies our mouth with good things. I want to just suggest to you today that we serve a God that's really good at regenerating us as we remember the right things. I'm convinced that the reason why we're in a bad condition many times is because we're remembering what we're supposed to forget and we're forgetting what we're supposed to remember. And some of you are here today and you're like, Mark, what, what, what are you trying to say? I'm just trying to get this into us, that there's power in remembering. There's power in it. There's actually a professor at Harvard, has the most popular class at all of Harvard. And he's a, he's a professor, and his, his whole life work, him and his wife, is they've done studies on happiness. Someone say happiness. Happiness. And the idea is, is that they've done all these clinical studies, neurological studies on the brain, And one of the most fascinating pieces of of information that that I read is they said that the human brain, when it it goes to memories, it actually releases the same chemicals in your brain when you reflect on something that made you happy or sad as it did uh, to your brain when it happened live. So what they're saying, so this this is like the three lessons of his class, basically, is he says, if you want to live a happy life, think of three things every day, three things, that have made you happy. It could be a moment, a big event, it could be a relationship, a raise, a bonus, a trip, an experience. Think of three things that made you happy. This is what he says. And he goes, and be thankful. Think of each one and say, I'm thankful for the day that Rochelle said yes to going out on a date with me. And you think about that moment. They go, number two, I'm thankful for the day that Kensington was born and I saw her for the first time. And I'm thankful for, right? So I think when I went to Orange County and I spoke to a really awesome group of people, that were nice to me. Um, right, so three things. And what they say is, the science behind it is, is they say that the only rule is you can't use the same thing multiple times. So you can't reuse, like, well, I'm thankful for my, and it can't be generic or, or vague. The more specific you are, the more powerful it is to your brain. 
And what they've proven, science has proven that the more, the more you remember the right things, it'll release the same endorphins that it did originally. You could say it this way, your brain doesn't know the difference between live memories and DVR memories. So when you start remembering the right things, God, you've forgiven me. God, you've healed me. God, you've redeemed this situation. You've crowned this situation. And you've satisfied me. I want you to know today that God is really good at remembering the right things and forgetting the wrong things. The band can come up. I'm almost finished. I believe this is so, uh, or, or just stays. Uh, I, I'm convinced of this, that, that uh, the Bible is so cool. In Hebrews 11, it says, in the, in the Hall of Fame of, of the Bible, it lays out all these normal human beings that were flawed. But what you find is, is heaven do- doesn't document the low moments of our faith. Heaven only documents the high moments of our faith. Because in Hebrews 11, the Hall of Fame of the Bible, it says Ra- it gives Rahab props for being a woman of faith, but it doesn't give her any, any uh, condemnation for being a harlot. It talks about Samson. It talks about uh, Barak. It talks about Jephthah. It talks about Abraham. There's all these things. Abraham pimped out his wife on multiple occasions. Moses was a murderer, right? You look at, like, Jonah was a fugitive. You, you could go through the roster of all of these low, low moments, but it seems that God is only good at recording moments of faith. He's good at that. Why is that such good news? I want you to know, because I was thinking about memories, and this is where I'll close today, is in Judges 16, there's a crazy, there's a crazy story about this guy named Samson. Samson, if you don't know his story, he does pretty much everything you're not supposed to do, he does. He's a Nazarite. So Nazarites aren't supposed to touch anything that grows on the vine. They're not supposed to drink wine. They're never supposed to cut their hair. And they're never supposed to be around anything that's dead. And we read here that not only does he drink and eat things from the wine, uh, from the vine, not only does he kill a lion, go back to the carcass to get honey out of it, not only does he uh, end up cutting his hair, but this guy actually keeps secrets from his family and his loved ones through the whole process. Not to mention that at his wedding, he doesn't have any groomsmen that are from his tribe or from his country. Philistines are his groomsmen because he doesn't even have any good friends in his life. What do you know about Samson? I know this, that he did everything according to the Jewish law that you're not supposed to do. What do you know about his story? Well, they cut his hair, they arrest him, and at the end of his life, in Judges 16, if we could throw it up on the screen, he prays a ridiculous prayer. There's actually two of these ridiculous prayers in the Bible. One's in the New Testament, one's in the Old Testament. This is the Old Testament. He says this, if we have it. Then Samson, at the end of his life, with his eyes gouged out at a large festival with all of the rulers of the Philistines, prays this audacious prayer. Oh God, the Lord, what's he say? Remember? What's he say? remember me. Then he goes on and says what he wants them to do. He says, remember me. Now, at first glance, you might say, what's the big deal about that prayer? Here's the big deal. If I was to point out a random person in the crowd that I don't know, and I say, hey, remember that time when me and you went to Idaho, and we went snowboarding, and we were in the mountains, and I, I, I grabbed the bear with my bare hands, and I wrestled it to the ground? You know what this guy's going to say if he doesn't know me? I know Tomcat, but just hypothetically here. You know what's going to happen if I point a stranger out and I say, remember that time? You know what you're going to say? No, I don't. Because it never, I was never there with you. I don't have a history with you. Because to remember, 
literally means, remember means to, uh, to, call, uh, to call to memory, to think about again. It means to remain aware. And here's the deal. You can't remember something that's never happened with someone you never made a memory with. So Samson goes, God, remember me. How is God going to remember someone that hasn't honored him their whole life? But what does God do? He remembers them. He answers his prayer. And in his death, he kills more people than his life. And then you look, look at uh, Luke chapter 23. Jesus is on a cross that wasn't built for him. It was built for a thug named Barabbas. And as he's on this cross with two other criminals, mobsters, mafia affiliates, murderers, extortioners, maybe rapists, he's next to two really vile human beings on a cross that was not engineered or built for him. And as an innocent man in the middle of a cross, at the end of his life, one of the thugs says, hey, why don't you get us out of this situation? Why don't you get us out of this predicament if you're God? And the other thug goes, hey, shut up. We deserve this because our life and our actions and our, and our deeds deserve this. And he says about Jesus, he goes, but this guy next to us, he's never done anything wrong. And then he has the audacity of Samson, a murderer, maybe a rapist, maybe the, one of the worst human beings you can kind of think of, and he says this crazy thing. He says, Lord, remember. We remember me when you come into your kingdom. How could you live wrong your whole life and make eye contact with God and say, hey, I know we never spent any time together, but would you please remember me now? What he should have said was, hey, God, can we get to know each other the next 30 seconds of our life? Can you please, come on. But what he says is, would you remember? And I want to prove a point to you that we serve a God that's so rich in mercy that he'll forget what he should remember and he'll remember those of us that deserve to be forgotten. This is the message of Christianity, that Jesus remembers people that deserve to be forgotten. I think it's appropriate to give God a better hand clap than that because he's, he's really good. He's so good. Remember? If I was God, I'd been like, oh, we never hung out. I don't know you. But God says, yeah, I'll remember you. What's Jesus' response? He says, surely I say to you that you will be with me in paradise. Never went to church, never tithes, never went through growth track. Come on now. Someone's like, there's hope for me. Ah. Makes it to heaven. I want you to know we serve a God that's rich in mercy. And I don't know why I felt like I was supposed to do one more week of this, but I just want to remind you that at Ocean's Church, we're going to remember the right things. And the source of our adoration and our gratitude to God is found in what God has already done. You write this as we close. I believe that all the faith you need for tomorrow is actually found in looking back in the past. And if you'll remember what God has already done, it'll give you faith for what he will do. Would you stand your feet with me? I want to pray for you. you guys. Thanks for listening to the Oceans Church Podcast. For more information about Oceans Church, including gathering times, locations, and how you can give and support the community, check us out at www.theoceanschurch.com.